Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome back or welcome for the first time if you are a first-time listener. My name is Baz, I am your host, and uh, we've got quite a packed show today. In just a minute, we'll be joined by Chris Frayne. He's our regular maritime historian and bringer of all things in the cruise news domain. And today, Chris and I are going to be answering two questions from our listeners. Thank you to Leah and Annie, both of whom are here in Australia. We'll be answering those questions uh, in just a moment. Uh, a little later in the show, we're also joined by Pete from Royal Caribbean. Uh, he's the director of sales. He's going to be sharing some exciting information about uh, what Royal have been up to um, in this uh, current pause and what they have on the horizon in the not-too-distant future. And that pretty much rounds out today's show. Now, if you want to be a part of this show, if you have a question just like Leah or Annie, you can uh, jump on the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, you'll find a Join the Show, and that's how you send through your listener question. Now, if you're in Singapore, Taiwan, or other places where cruising is resumed and you want to share your cruise experience with us, we'd love to hear about it. Equally, if you're in the UK and uh, you are planning a cruise uh, as cruising resumes from the 17th of May, we'd love to hear about your cruising experience as well. So if you have already booked something and you've got it locked in, drop us an email so that we can schedule a little follow-up chat and you can be part of the podcast conversation once you've completed that cruise. But let's jump straight into it and let's head over and join Chris Frame for our Maritime History Cruise News and Listener Questions. Enjoy the show. Friday, it's the start of the podcast, so it must be time to speak to Chris Frame. Hey, Chris. Hey, Baz. Have you had a good week? Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. And we've got a bumper stack of uh, oh, news, this week, which we're going to try and get through in, in record time. Um, but you actually had a, a, a question from a listener here in Western Australia, which is kind of rounding out the maritime history section. I think we briefly touched on this oh, probably about 10 or 12 episodes ago, but mm. it's it's a good topic. So let's put it out there once again, because uh, Leah from Western Australia is asking, what was it? Sorry, what was the day-to-day life like on the old line? As Chris often talks about, what did passengers actually do? Yeah, so we, we spoke um, in the past about like what the food was like and what the entertainment oh, specifically right. was like and that sort of thing. But when I when you when you um, when we were discussing this one, um, I, I thought that you know looking at it looking at it from a perhaps a bit more of a holistic perspective as to what the whole sort of experience was like from a, oh, from yeah, a passenger great. perspective. So. You know, let's let's think about um, one of the old ships uh, that used to operate to from Britain to Australia, say for example, yep. and maybe we'll look at ones, think about ones that were operating in the late nineteenth century. So okay. these ships were much, much, much smaller than what we have today for most cruise ships. I mean, in terms of size, they'd be like what we consider now to be sort of like the the smaller expedition or small ship cruising, some of the smaller mm-hmm. um, cruise ships with, with several hundred passengers on board. They had a lot more passengers because they used to carry um, third class, which was the immigration yep. um, where people were immigrating from country to country. 
mm-hmm. so you'd board the ship. Um, these ships didn't have these massive superstructures that modern day ships have. So most of the accommodations and entertainment areas and um, dining areas and that sort of thing were housed within the hull. And there might have been um, a deck of superstructure or maybe two decks of superstructure. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm thinking about P&O, for example, there's this fantastic photograph that I've seen in the um, Henderson and Kramer collection, which shows the top deck of one of their ships from the sort of, um, I think it was around about 1870s. And you've got this mm-hmm. scene where the, the bridge and where they're driving the ship is on is on the same level as the main um, top deck. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, they've got passengers... Um, laying sitting walking on the deck just to get some fresh air fresh air yeah, um yeah. because there was no air conditioning of course and these ships are sailing across the topic tropics rather um yeah. and then of course these ships had a funnel and they had auxiliary sails um so they used to ho- hoist the sails when they had favorable winds but they also used to um rig up um like um canvas between the masts to try and offer some shade to the passengers and yeah yeah, so literally there was like days and days and days where you would go up on deck to get some relief and basically just you know relax talk laze about sleep um (laughs) there wasn't as we have mentioned in previous podcasts there wasn't entertainment teams on board there wasn't big show lounges there wasn't um activities like that now a little bit later, as the ships get bigger, there's another great photograph that, um, uh, uh, especially not a photograph, it's a drawing um, of, of maybe 10 years later that shows this scene where you're in the same sort of position, you're standing at the aft end looking forward, but this time there's, a, there's an actual bridge for the ship's officers. Uh-huh. It's open, it's exposed, but it's one, it's like lifted up above the deck, which is actually yeah. where the, the term bridge comes from. Um, yeah. I think we might have mentioned that in previous podcasts as well. And so the officers and crew are now above the passengers in their own like workspace and below it's a similar sort of scene, but there's more in terms of there's a deck house, there's a bit more space on board the ship. And that's when you start to see as they're getting bigger and bigger, they, they start to build in rooms like a separate smoking room, which had a bar in it mm-hmm. or a, um, a writing room uh, where many of the ladies would go to have tea and that sort of thing. Um, it was yep. again, quite, um, broken up in terms of where men and women went on the old ships uh, in the old days of the of the um, ocean crossing particularly if you were single um it wasn't really encouraged for single men and women to to, to co-mingle that much um and uh now you start to see things like a common room where you could have a piano um the cruise the cruise line or shipping line might provide the piano but they didn't provide the pianist so like passengers mm-hmm. who could play music would play music people would sing and dance um and the passengers would come together after the ship left um ports and say sydney or whatever if they were coming back to britain or from one of the british points com- ports coming across to australia and they'd form a committee and the passengers then would organize things like <laughs> i mean some of the stuff baz is just so funny they'd like hoist up and even this, this goes all the way through into the 1950s, you know, like this is sort of not <laughs> not old, old ships. This is stuff that happened, um, you know, uh, in, in the era of well, like 1960s, like the era of color photographs, you know, you've got these pictures and, <laughs> and film that you can find uh, in the archives of, of uh, things like egg and spoon relays and uh, three-legged <laughs> races on the top deck. And, um, you know, they'd make a makeshift swimming pool out of canvas and um, uh, they would they would ho- hoist a, like a wooden beam across the top of the swimming pool and you'd have two people sort of poised on the beam with sort of sticks and they'd try to knock each other off and that sort of stuff <laughs> whilst the ship's moving. And, of course, these ships aren't stabilised. So, you know, it would have been really hard to, to stay balanced. And just, you know, like I could talk for, for hours. So just to try and contain this a little bit, um, one of the other most interesting things that I've seen in, in the um, P&O archives with Henderson and Kramer is... You know, you think about ships were the only way to travel and long distances like that. So the airplanes existed, but they weren't the preferred mode. So when you think about things like the Australian cricket team going to England to defend the Ashes, they went by ship. So you've got, firstly, a terrible disadvantage because you spent all that time at sea. If you're the traveling team, you've been, you know, three weeks at sea 
um, whilst the other team gets to practice on, on dry land. But of <laughs> course, you can't go three weeks at sea without practicing at all. So there's some amazing photographs of um, the Australian cricket team over the years playing. They, they set up basically a cricket pitch on the um, top deck <laughs> of the P&O and Orient Line ships that they were traveling on. And the passengers who were traveling like could, could gather around and watch their um, their favorite <laughs> players practicing on the ship. And, of course, they put net, netting up to try and save the balls, but many of them went overboard. <laughs> so, you know, um, totally different way of, of, of life. Um, but they used to, to in, in answer to the actual question, um, they used to, the way of life on board was very much make of it as you would. It was It was not an organized holiday. It was... A, a mode of transport uh, and just like, you know, you think about flying long distance in an in in economy um, on an airplane, the, the airline will pro- might provide the movies, but they're not, they haven't got people there to try and like keep you entertained for the, for the duration of, the, of yeah, the flight. Yeah. It was the same thing on the ships. They might provide the piano, they might provide the room, they might provide, um, you know, paper and stationery in the print shop to do the programs. But if you wanted to do anything more than that, the passengers had to come together and do it themselves. Um, yeah, and it, it wasn't until the 19, sort of late 50s, early 60s, or, uh, you know, when cruise ships started to become more and more in vogue that you, um, you see cruise lines start to dedicate teams to do that sort of thing. Yeah, nowadays they have big teams on board to, to provide the entertainment. They do. The cruise experience is the entertainment experience, really, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent question, Lee. Hope we could, hopefully that uh, kind of answers it in the, the limited time that we have uh, on the podcast there. We do have another listener question, Chris, that uh, came in. Yeah. Um, and this came in from Adelaide, actually. Annie in Adelaide asked, uh, Barry and Chris, as self-confessed cruise geeks, thank you for that, um, you, if you could board a ship on a regular cruise tomorrow, what would your embarkation day routine be? Oh, goodness. What would yours be, Chris? Well, I mean, the funny thing for me is that um, I like to try and get, I mean, obviously it depends on whether the cruise line does staged boarding or arrive when you you know board as you arrive kind of thing but yeah. i quite often find myself when i when i get on board the ship after after you know dropping any hand luggage and stuff in in the cabin grabbing the camera and basically racing around the ship to try and get as many photographs of it without it being like full of people <laughs> so that's pretty much my embarkation day routine on, on on nearly any ship that i go on these days so um you know i think back to uh when I sailed on Oriana, for example, my, my first and last time on board, um, I was there as a, um, as a, as a passenger, I wasn't doing lectures on that trip, but even then it was like, get on the ship, grab the camera, start at the top, roomed by room, by room, by room, because obviously I like <laughs> to use it for the videos. I like to use it for yeah. the, um, for the website and that sort of thing. And then you get a really good sense of the ship. And if I think back to before I used to do, um, all of the, all of the digital media stuff, um, it was quite quite similar. Like even on ships that I'd been on before, QE two, for example, Queen Mary two, just spending that first little bit of time refamiliarizing yourself with the ship. Always want to make an yeah. effort to go out into the boat deck and just take in the fact that you're on the ship and it's going to leave port. Um, and then I always always go out on deck, not on the balcony, but on deck with the other people to watch the ship sail away. I think that's one of the yeah. the great um, cruise experiences and. It, you know, on ships that have fewer balconies, you get such a great atmosphere on the open decks when the people all gather together. Um, yep. Of course, you know, trying to remember what it's like when people all gather together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's nice to, to share that experience with other people and, and waiting, of course, for the for the mighty whistle blast as the ship sets sail. Absolutely, I've How got two you? different routines actually. Yeah. If um, if I'm cruising as a family with the kids. We kind of get on, go and get a bite to eat, probably at the Lido, check out Kids Club, decide whether they want to sign up for the, the first activities. Um, then go have a quick walk around the ship, um, get ready for um, the uh, the muster drill. Muster drill, yeah. Um, and then the same, go up on open deck ready for, for sail away. Whereas if I'm cruising by myself or cruising for work, pretty much get on, um, try and get into the cabin as early as possible, unpack and get myself kind of ready for, for however mm. long the voyage is. Um, and then um, go and zoom around the ship and like you get photos uh, before it gets too busy. Uh, and then same, straight into muscle station and again back up on deck for sail away because yeah. that is my, my favorite part. I've been, I've been uh, well, up until recently, um, more and more doing like um, carry on your own, carry on and off your own luggage onto and off yep, the yep. ship if I can um, as yep. well because um, as you say, like it's really nice to just, especially if you've got a, a you know, 
a longer voyage and you've got quite a lot of stuff to, to bring on board, it is quite nice to get it all unpacked and, and sorted out. But sometimes you can wait until almost, or even sometimes I've actually had it when the ship's already departed before the luggage arrives at the cabin, um, just depending yeah. on how busy it is. And so, yeah, it really depends on whether or not it's there. Um, and, and quite often on some of the ships, there's a, a nice welcome aboard bottle of um, sparkling and, and, and a couple of glasses. So it's, it's quite nice to to just um, open that up as well and have a little drink and go, oh my gosh, I'm here. <laughs> we're we're yeah. back to sit sail on an adventure. It's really exciting. Exactly. Now, oh, I'm feeling nostalgic um, now. And uh, we'll get there. We're, 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 we're close to it, I think. We, we're going to be able to sail soon. If we lived in the UK, we'd be sailing even sooner. And that is actually part of the cruise news. Indeed, yes. Because we spoke about last week, um, 17 May is the, the planned restart of uh, domestic tourism in the UK. And a lot of cruise lines have come out over the last week and said mm. um, what they uh, anticipate they will be doing. Uh, so let's just very quickly go through what we know so far, starting off with Cunard. Yeah, so Cunard's going to be restarting with um, Queen Elizabeth. Um, so she'll be the first of their three to return to service. Um, she's going to be doing sailings out of Southampton. And it's going to be – they haven't released the specific details yet, unless they're doing it as we speak, as we're making this podcast. <laughs> but um, it's like shorter, basically, staycation-type trips is how they're kind of marketing it. Uh, so short, mm-hmm. short voyages – for British residents, staying in British waters, so it's not leaving uh, internationally or anything like that. Yeah, and then we've got uh, P&A UK, also from the, the same family of brands. Yeah, sim- similar idea there um, with the um, you know locally-based cruises. But what's kind of exciting for P&O UK is that um, not only is Britannia going to be um, sailing on a series of four- and six-night voyages um but also iona will be making her maiden voyage um and very different to the planned maiden voyage of course but Mm -hmm. they've made it kind of special because they're going to sail her from southampton to iona island in scotland which is where well it's it's a it's a yeah it's a it shares the name um, of the ship so that's quite cool for them as well now interestingly enough pno as a as a brand that has some ships for adults only and some ships for kids has said that these voyages will be adults only voyages um which has caused a bit of a, a bit of a stir online but um i know that their ceo came out and said look when things as the health advice changes then of course they're going to welcome children back um yeah. and you have to be vaccinated and a uk resident only to do those voyages Yep, fair enough. Got to do what we do to uh, to do it safely. Yeah, for sure. Um, Saga actually haven't come out with anything yet, but I'm sure they will do in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so straight into Fred Olsen. Yeah, so they'll be restarting as well with um, July, I think, is their, their welcome back voyages will start. And really exciting for Fred Olsen because they're coming back with a revitalized fleet. Um, mm-hmm. And the two ships that are going to kick off things are going to be Borealis um, on the 5th of July sailing from Liverpool and Ballet on the 16th of August sailing from Dover. Um, and those, of course, are the former Amsterdam and Rotterdam from Holland America line. Um, much newer, larger, uh, probably more, you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, compare them too much with um, with Boudicca yeah. and Blackwatch because they were such lovely ships as well. But they, the newer ships, have, they're bigger, they have more amenities, more space and, and um, probably a, a much more modern feel and stuff in terms of cabin design and decor so that, that'll be exciting for regular fred cruises absolutely um i didn't see this next one coming actually i was actually at a viking event as this news broke mm. um so viking you're going to be sailing out of the uk yes uh, uh, uh using viking uh viking venus which is uh, we've spoken about a few times before and she she's going to be delivered to them next month and then they should be ready for the resumption of, of cruising they'll be sailing out of portsmouth so look it's really not all happening out of southampton it's definitely yeah which is nice um, yeah. yeah i think that's also you know because of all the COVID regulations and, and stuff as well, to, to sort of spread it out where people are coming yep. into ports. It's a good idea. Um, and, yeah, so they'll be sailing um, English um, coastal cruises. And Hurtigruten actually have um, UK departures going on expeditions around the UK. They haven't said if they're going to go out and continue with the, the planned voyages as of yet. But, again, I think we'll probably have an announcement over the next week or so for that. Mm. But uh, the last one that actually came out and broke overnight is MSC will be offering cruises from the UK. Yes, they will. Um, in summer uh, yeah. 2021, so of course that will be you know when everything start, starts resuming um, over there in, in the northern summer. Um, and they've got a brand new terminal that they're going to be utilizing as well in Southampton. And so there'll be, they'll be uh, short cruises again, seven nights, just a week um, in the UK uh, waters. 
brilliant. And as we know, they've actually been successfully cruising in in Europe already. They've actually carried 50,000 guests, which is incredible. So it's just good news all around. And I'm very jealous of anybody who is in the UK and is able to take advantage of these voyages. I actually think they will probably be very, very popular and sell out very quickly, given that they will be selling with uh, limited capacity. So if you're over there, have a look online, go to a clear registered travel agent and find uh, the the cruise that you want to try out in this uh, brilliant restart. Mm. Now, speaking of MSC and their 50,000 guests, up in Singapore, very close to us here, Dream Cruises just marked a milestone. Yeah, so Dream Cruises has been sailing out of, of Singapore for, um, you know, since November um, of last year. And um, they've done it successfully. I mean, it's uh, it's been something that's been quite a, um, a triumph for them. And they've just announced that they've had 100,000 their one hundred, their one hundred thousandth passenger. Sorry, <laughs> my uh, tongue tie there. Um, uh, start uh, sailing from uh, from Singapore with with their um, with their cruise program there. So that's really exciting for for Dream Cruises. Yeah, and later in the show we're speaking to um, Royal Caribbean to find out how things are going up in Singapore. So it's a great, yeah. uh, good, positive news story. And, and uh, Dream Cruises, just uh, in case any of the listeners are interested, um, they've been using World Dream out of Singapore, but they're also cruising out of Taiwan as well uh, with yep. Explorer yep. Dream. So there's the two two ships for their, from their fleet who have resumed cruising. Exactly. Um, we had Virgin on the show a couple of weeks ago, but news came out this week uh, requiring vaccinations for all. Yes, I mean, again, like it's not um, uh, specific to to Virgin to have made that that move, but another cruise line that's decided to do that, of course. Um, and there, I mean, uh, you had that um, great podcast with uh, with with Virgin talking about all of their exciting plans, and they're going to be kickstarting their their voyages um, um, using a Scarlet Lady. So she'll get to to enter service after a long hiatus. <laughs> oh, shame she had a <laughs> shakedown cruises before COVID, but uh, never made it into full operational full status. Service. So it'd be great to see her coming into into service, and then she'll be followed, obviously, by um, Valiant Lady. Um, I imagine shortly after. Yeah, that's right. Um, our friends at Oceania announced the name of their new ship this week. They did, yes. Uh, she is um, the latest in their fleet. In fact, the seventh ship um, that they will be entering into service, and she's going to have the name of Vista. Um, and she's a sixty-seven thousand ton um, ship, uh, which you know it's so funny, Baz. Like, because of course I've got <laughs> this this history um, uh, link with everything. Um, you think about she, she's now would be considered, I would say, like a sort of small to mid-sized, um, yeah, yeah. twelve, you know, twelve hundred passengers, eight hundred crew, sixty-seven thousand tons was the tonnage of the QE two when it entered service, and it was the <laughs> second largest cruise ship in passenger service for for yeah. years and years at that size, <laughs> back in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties. So um, things have just grown so much, but yes, great, great excitement there. Um, Been built at Fincantieri, so um, you know. Uh, as I say, the seventh ship for the line, and due um, to set sail in 2023. Yeah, she's actually got a sister coming out in 2025 as well. Yeah, so it'll be a big fleet by then. Yeah. Um, Royal Caribbean um, have announced uh, Navigator of the Seas will be sailing from Hollywood. Well, not quite Hollywood, but... <laughs> no, no. If, you, <laughs> if you've been to um, to Hollywood, you'll know it's not, it's not at the port. But, um, yes, basically <laughs> what, what they're saying is that they're going to be doing LA and, and um, West Coast voyages. Um, there'll be a, a series of um, a three to four and five night cruises um, taking in the Californian coast and then sailing down, of course, to to Mexico. And Navigator of the Seas is one of the one of the many Royal Caribbean ships that has been um, sort of upgraded and revitalised um, using using their new, newest sort of um, style that they've got on board. Um, Royal Caribbean. Uh, it has a it has a fancy name, but it escapes me at the moment. Um, I think maybe amplified might be what they call it. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amplified, yeah. And uh, so that just means that things like that they've re- redesigned the way that the the pool um, works. It's just they've got new bars and and um, more exciting sort of uh, experiences on board, such as um, water slides and and um, uh, a thing called a mat racer. Um, it's named yeah, the rip, rip, head, I'm just head first it, mat head race. First. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the rip tie they call it. So, I mean, I haven't seen it myself. It'd be fascinating to to, to check it out um, sometime. Uh, I've been I've been on board a few of the, um, uh, the royal, royal ships, royal ships uh, but not navigator of the sea. So, so couldn't uh, couldn't rate the uh, the mat rider myself. But uh, <laughs> 
Uh, well, I expect to see a YouTube video if you go in headfirst uh, on the slide very soon, I need please. to get myself a GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> GoPro, if you're listening? <laughs> I don't think my, uh, my, my Canon SLR would like the water so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, MSC we just spoke about, but they've mm. also um, announced... Well, they're actually doing it quite cleverly, actually. They've announced the new recruits for their luxury division, but they've, they've not actually released any information about the luxury division. Yeah, so, I mean, information is, uh, is hard to come by, but... Um, basically, it will be, from what I can understand, a um, an MSC-owned new luxury brand. Um, mm-hmm. They're expecting to take their first ship, which will be around sixty-three thousand eight hundred tons. So again, like you know, smaller, much smaller than the other MSC ships that they're building at the moment um, in twenty twenty-three. And one of the things, they, one of the few things that they have confirmed about the ship is um, that she's going to have over four hundred and sixty of the biggest um, suites to go to sea. So that should be quite exciting. Um, and uh, I think they've also indicated that she won't be alone. There'll be up to four, I think, of them coming out over um, subsequent yeah. years, so 23, 24, 2025, and 2026. Yeah, and I think it's loosely based on the success of the MSC Yacht Club, which is the ship within a ship concept on about half of their fleet. They've seen such popularity with that that they've seen this kind of demand for, for what they envisage so it'll mm. be interesting to see what they they roll out over the the next month or two with the the information for that but lastly we're finishing off with some information for western australia we have another ship going to the kimberley yeah so island escape is uh, um is coming across to to western australia their, their ship is a um uh, like a luxury yacht basically um she's she's mm-hmm. small um but but quite unique. Um, only only just over thirty passengers on board. There, there's a like two to one passenger crew ratio, um, and she's designed um, by a very well known design studio in in Sweden. Um, and she's going to offer twelve night um, Kimberley Coast itineraries, um, and then also will then um, sail across to the east coast of Australia and do barrier barrier reef cruises, um, and then. Um, uh, so there's an opportunity for people on both sides of the country, basically, to to experience this this ship. Yeah, because normally, I mean, this brand's been around for quite some time, but they've always concentrated on New Zealand mm. and uh, out into the the South Pacific. But they've got this brand new yacht that they're about to take delivery of, and they decided to do something a little different with it, which is uh, yeah great for us here in the West. Yeah, it's nice to see um, you know new brands and different brands and different ships. Uh, making their way all, all over the world. It's one of the interesting things that comes out of a reset like this, I think, is that it yeah. gives the, the lines an opportunity to think, what can we do a little bit differently? Exactly. Now, uh, of course, we always finish up with what's uh, happening in your YouTube and social space. Have you got a new video about to uh, pop out onto the horizon? I do, actually. As soon as I finished here with you, I'm going to go and finish editing it. <laughs> We're running a bit, Brilliant. Bit, bit behind schedule. But um, uh, this time, I'm just going to focus on history, and it's five things you might not know about the Titanic. And oh, wow. it's interesting because the Titanic obviously has been spoken about so much, but there are still some things about the ship that aren't the ones that they lead in all the documentaries, you know, about mm-hmm. um, about how it was designed or about um, some of the photographs that were taken on board the Titanic might not be what you think. So if you want to find ah. out more, um, check out the, the video um, after the podcast. Absolutely. The link uh, to Chris's YouTube channel is always in the show notes, which you can find, of course, on our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. And that's the same place where you can send in your listener question. Um, Top right-hand corner, join the show, send them through. Um, It's great to to have your involvement. And uh, we know that uh, that you're listening from all over the world because I was looking at the stats this week, actually, Mm. and we've um, um, actually haven't got it in front of me right this second. How are we doing um, in France? (laughs) um, Actually, France was great a couple of weeks ago. It was a one-off spike. Um, but I think our top five destinations were Australia, the USA, UK, Canada, and Sweden, and then random places all over the world pop up. So uh, if you are listing somewhere different to those places we've just mentioned, drop us a message either by the website or on our social pages, and we- we'd love to uh, give you a quick shout out. Sounds great. Chris, it is always a pleasure to speak with you, mate. Um, until same time next week, have a great week. Thank you. You too, Baz. Did I mention there's a little way you can help keep this uh, podcast on air? 
That's right, just for the cost of a coffee, uh, so about four Aussie dollars, about two pounds something, about two euros something, um, you can make a donation and that helps uh, keep the lights on and keep the, the podcast uh, producing in, the, in this weekly format. Um, or you can join up as a member and make a, a monthly uh, subscription and in return receive some incredible um, bonus material as well. Um, all the details are on the show notes of each and individual podcast or you can head to uh, the website buymeacoffee forward slash the big cruise pod. And uh, we look forward to uh, shouting you out if you are able to, uh, to make a little donation. And the next guest on the podcast joins us from Royal Caribbean Line. Pete is the Director of Sales here in Australia. Pete, welcome to the Big Cruise Podcast. Hey, Barry. Uh, nice to be here. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, no, it's uh, really appreciate uh, your time. And we're here today to, to talk about all of the great things that have been happening uh, behind the scenes with, with Royal Caribbean. Um, but I think we should probably, first of all, go back to probably a little more than 12 months ago when you were doing that amazing deed down here, thanking all of the amazing efforts uh, for the, the bush fire, fire, mm. bush firefighters and giving away incredible cruises and, uh, you know, really creating a, a real sense of community. And then everything kind of went very, very quiet, and we've been quiet now for, for over 12 months. Yeah, look, it was a pretty exciting time. Our, our, our CEO in Miami said, look, send the ship down here, uh, Spectrum of Seas, which was where our new quantum class ship, um, and reward all the, the frontliners for the firefighters and nurses and anybody involved in in in, in that area. And we, we, we initially were going to hold uh, just two cruises, um, but we had such an enormous response to it, we ended up adding an additional cruise. Um, so we had three cruises of three nights taking over, um, I think we were close on 10,000 volunteer workers. Brilliant. We uh, we allowed them and their families to come on board totally free of charge and had the opportunity to just to, as, a, as a thank you from behalf of the Australian people. Uh, for the amazing job that they did do in that awful time about bushfires here um, in that summer period. So it was really exciting. We, you know, a lot of people just kind of had, had a lot of joy, a lot of fun, uh, and then you're right. Um, suddenly everything came to a grinding halt uh, from a cruising perspective. And then here we, here we are 12 months later um, still uh, waiting to try and start cruising here in the Australasian region. Um, but we, you know, there's some small green shoots. Um, there's signs of things happening uh, around the world, uh, and, and and our first part was um, cruising out of Singapore, which we started last December. Yep. Uh, currently, we've moved in the vicinity of uh, over forty-five thousand guests. Incredible. Uh, with, uh, over with, um, you know, with about twenty-seven cruises so far, and. It's gone so well and we were so well accepted uh, that we've extended the season uh, right through to the end of June with with, with the, with the um, best wishes of the Singapore government who allowed us to do this. Uh, we have not had one case of uh, uh, of the coronavirus or anything on, like along those lines in, in those 27 cruises. So by the end of June, we anticipate we'll... Uh, operate about 53 uh, cruises and move out close on 100,000 people. Um, now, these are all Singaporean um, guests, of course, uh, and they're operating three and four night cruises to nowhere because that was part of the protocol that was required by the mm -hmm. Singapore government that we don't touch land. Um, our guests are tested before they get on board and, and also have to have a test prior to uh, prior getting to to the pier uh, mm -hmm. before they get on. Uh, we have social distancing on board the ship. Uh, it's it's um, uh, operating at a 50% capacity, which was, again, one of the protocols that the Singapore government requested that we do. So it's, you know, there's um, the really interesting thing, though, Barry, is the, is the guest mixture. We thought that probably... Those serial guests who uh, mm -hmm. love cruising will be the, the the number one kind of guest coming on board. But interesting enough, uh, the guests are generally young people and first-time cruisers. Oh, which, brilliant. Yeah. So it's been quite exciting and a, and a wonderful experiment, and it's worked very, very well. 
Um, so, you know, the government of, of Singapore have worked hand in hand with the tourism industry there and likewise uh, Royal Caribbean to set a range of protocols in place to ensure that you know, our guests have a fantastic time on board. And, and so far, so good. It's going absolutely brilliantly well. Yeah, I think that's the critical part there, isn't it? The, the, the authorities, have, you know, it's just been a completely open, transparent, you know, this is what we're prepared to do. This is how we're going to do yep. it. And everybody's uh, agreeing to the same thing. Now, I know you haven't been able to cruise a bit because you're obviously down here in Australia, but with only 50% guests on board, is there still a, you know, a reasonable social atmosphere? Is it, does it still feel like a cruise on board? Yeah, look, we've had uh, several of our Singaporean office staff go on board for that particular reason, you know, and yeah. to report back to uh, our head office in Miami is, is what is the guest experience like? And uh, nothing but positive responses, Barry. They, the guests are having a great time. Obviously, there's a lot more room on the ship, of course, because yep. it's operating at um, at 50%. But um you know, they feel like the, the, the shows are still operating, the flow ride is still going, the bumper cars are still operating, uh, the North Star, um, the rock climbing, well, all the activities on board that are included are all still operating normally and I guess they're having the opportunity to experience those. The restaurants are open. Obviously, in the Windjammer, um, we, it's not self-service anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our staff will, will present the meals to our guests. So there's a whole range of different protocols. Mask wearing is mandatory as, as, as dictated by the Singapore government, mm-hmm. uh, but it still hasn't stopped people from really, really enjoying themselves. So, um, and I think when we do come back eventually cruising here, I think the landscape will have changed. There will be different protocols in place. It may not necessarily be like it used to be, but we will do everything possible to ensure that people thoroughly enjoy themselves. Brilliant. Now, for, for listeners that you know might be familiar with the Royal brand but are not necessarily familiar with uh, the Quantum class of ships, mm-hmm. um, what sets them apart from, from say, the Oasis or the, the other classes that you have? Um, well, different technology for a start and different, different opportunities on board the ship. Obviously, they're not as big as um, Oasis. Oasis, mm-hmm. in its full capacity, uh, an Oasis-class ship can hold over uh, 6,000 passengers. Uh, and it has around about 2,700 crews. So we're cruising with you know, nearly 10,000 people. <laughs> uh, whereas a quantum class, we, we, we operate with a full capacity, yeah, full capacity, I should say, is around about the 4,200 mark uh, with, a, with a better 1,500, 1,600 crew. Uh, but it's the, it's the new uh, activities on board, um, the, the quantum class that have, that have really highlighted the ship. Um, who would have ever thought you have bumper cars at, <laughs> uh, you know, as you're cruising around the South Pacific. Um, likewise, simulated skydiving with our iFly. Yeah. Uh, it's hugely popular. The, the, the ever-popular Flow Rider, which has been on many of our ships for many, many years now, is simulated surfing uh, while you're at high seas. Um, just the range of different restaurants on board, especially dining venues like Jamie Oliver's uh, Italian restaurant, um, just a whole range of there's Japanese restaurants, you know, just there's a whole range of different activities that are new to the to the quantum class ship, and and I think you know uh, when when we start our 2022 season down here in October 2022, um, Ovation of the Seas will be her seventh season down here, yeah. and and I remember I remember when Ovation first came to Australia seven years ago, I was actually in Perth. Uh, for her arrival, and there were there were actually like traffic jams in Fremantle for people to come down and see this amazing ship, and I followed it actually from 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 Perth to Adelaide to Hobart to uh, to Sydney, and everywhere we went, we had an amazing uh, media response because this ship is like nothing people have ever seen before cruising in Australasian waters. Yeah, and, I guess at that time we we kind of had older ships down in Australia. We, we didn't always get the newest and flashiest ships, but uh, Royal no. Caribbean changed that dramatically with the, the arrival of that ship. Very much so. And and I think that, you know, even even when the ship arrived in Perth, or sorry, Fremantle, I should say, uh, we were getting news reports on East Coast news services about <laughs> the exciting ship coming into, into Australia. 
And um, and I think it's proven so popular. I mean, we, we've gone out with full loads virtually every single cruise we've had in the five or six seasons has been coming to Australia because just the sheer uniqueness of the ship, there's nothing like it cruising in Australasian waters. And I guess the exciting thing for us when, and, and we're just about to release our 2022-2023 um, deployment uh, any day now, uh, we'll have two of these ships coming to Australia, one in Brisbane, uh, operating out of the brand new terminal in Brisbane, which, by the way, it's been been sitting there empty for yeah. nine on 15 months um, <laughs> because it just got completed just about when the cruise industry was shut down in Australia. So we'll have um, uh, Quantum, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Quantum will be cruising out of Brisbane and then we'll have Ovation cruising out of Sydney at the same time. So we'll have two of these fantastic ships cruising yeah. in Australia in, in 2022 and 2023. Uh, Very exciting times for us down here. It is. And from memory, I think those departures are going to go on sale 25th of Correct. March. Yes, yeah, they go on sale yeah. 25th, yes. So, so people we'll... will be able to uh, log on through, book through their local travel agent, obviously through you guys over in the, in the West. Uh, we want uh, we want uh, to showcase these fantastic ships to our guests here in Australia. Incredible. Well, once those itineraries are released, we'll talk about that when, uh, with Chris, our regular guest, um, in detail. Um, but you've also got some other great news. Um, your newest ship is uh, just about to be delivered, and uh, you're actually going to be taking it to a new destination. Yes, uh, very exciting. We, we, we uh, just launched, um, in fact, I watched a, a um, video of her coming out of her uh, the shipyard in Germany. Uh, oh, down in, the river, yeah. Yeah, down the river, which is quite an, an eventful thing. So Odyssey of the Seas, which is, uh, again, another quantum-class ship, has just been launched, and she will go to – she's being refitted out at the moment and doing her sea trials, and then she'll go to uh, Israel. Uh, and uh, she'll be cruising out of Israel as of uh, early June, and we'll be operating cruises out of uh, Israel for Israeli citizens, uh, and uh, they'll be operating through to Cyprus, so the itinerary will be Cyprus, and also the Greek, Greek islands, which have allowed us to um, have opened up for cruising, which is exciting. Um, yeah, and the slight difference here is that um, you've agreed with the Israeli authorities that all crew and all guests will be vaccinated prior correct. to uh, departure. Everybody the over over the age of sixteen uh, has to be vaccinated before they get on board. So um, and 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 Israel are pretty much I think completed, if not having just pretty close to completing a, a total vaccination of their citizens anyway. Yeah, um, they were the leaders, weren't they? They they managed to roll that out were. very quickly. Yeah, and and the other thing that, that we're looking at the possibility, and this may happen, uh, maybe um, uh, Israeli passport holders out of the US. If they're vaccinated, could fly to Israel okay. possibly yep. and yep. cruise also. Um, so that's really exciting times for us. Brand new ship. Um, so that's our second destination opening up. And also, there's uh, there's strong talk that out of the UK, um, cruising may begin early mid May. Yeah, yeah, 17 May I read, and I've seen yeah. a few cruise lines say that they're going to be uh, ramping up uh, short cruises, which is which is incredible. So yeah. I think there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I don't is. think we're quite there in Australia yet, but uh, we, we've got everything crossed and everything's happening else in the world to uh, to, to make sure that we, we will do it at some point. But we're certainly, we're certainly consistently talking to the authorities here in Australia, both from a federal perspective and a state perspective. And, you know, our, our managing director, Gavin, is, uh, is the chairman of CLEAR here and a delegation of... Um, of, of people from from clear are constantly in touch with the health authorities, tourism industry people here in both Australia from a federal level and a state level, and um, you know talking about when can we start cruising out of Australia. Yeah, well, hopefully the the next announcement from the government will be a pathway and it'll lay out the the way that we can can do so successfully and hopefully before the the, the arrival of the the next season down here. Well, we're all ready to go. I, mean, I, I think all the cruise lines are itching to get back into. Yeah. Cruise. Australia, uh, we're just waiting for the green light from the Australian authorities to let us do that. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for for oh, probably about nine months on the podcast, I've said from very early on that I, th I think there will be an opportunity to have 
cruisers, sorry, cruises for residents of a particular state only going to ports within that state. And if that's Great. the way that we, we, we have to do it initially to get things moving and then open up a little bit more further down the track. Now, before we let you go, Pete, we always have a bit of fun towards the end. It's just a little fast fire round. I've not given you these questions up front, so it's just whatever comes straight to the front okay. of your mind. And don't worry, they're not too difficult. <laughs> um, sunrise or sunset? Sunrise, start of a brand new day. I think kind of the answer to the next one, because uh, Bionic Bar or the Music Hall? Oh, Music Hall, because I love live music. And I've actually uh, been on stage with the uh, with the um, Beatles. Um, I remember. It <laughs> was very pleasant for the rest of the audience, but it was a lot of fun. Music Hall's great live music. <laughs> Flow Rider or Ripcord by iFly? Oh, I'm no good on the Flow Rider, so I've tried uh, the iFly, done pretty well on that, really enjoyed it, it was fun. Brilliant. Chopped Grill or Wonderland? Oh, a tough one. Um, I kind of like the quirkiness of Wonderland, so I'd probably go with that one. If um, For the listeners that maybe don't know what Wonderland is, just a very brief description. Well, first of all, the, 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 it, it's based on a kind of an Alice in Wonderland concept with quirky furniture, et cetera, et cetera. The, yeah, they're really surprised when people first get there. They get a menu and it's actually blank. There's nothing on it. They're uh-huh. given a paintbrush and a, and a little dish of water and they paint the uh, menu and the actual, the actual items come up to come live on, on, on your menu. That's the start of the quirkiness. Uh-huh. And then there's a whole range of different, uh, about a nine course degustation meal. Uh, and just amazing food, amazing, amazing creative food uh, that allows guests to try some whole range of different, uh, different kind of um, cuisines. Um, and and it's just a really, it's just a really, really fun, fun night. But but really excellent food. It's one of my favourites, certainly on the ships that we have. Brilliant. Um, sea day or explore ashore? Oh, sea days. I love sea days. Labadee or perfect day at Coco Cay. Coco Cake. Amazing. And we're on board. We're on the, the, uh, the, the bar. It's my shout. What are you drinking? Definitely a uh, gin martini straight up with a twist. Mm. And if things had returned to normal, COVID was kind of behind us and we could cruise anywhere tomorrow, where would you go, with whom and why? Well, that's a difficult one, Barry. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd more like to go. I love I love. I love Europe. I love traveling around Europe. I always have. I've just loved the, the history of Europe. And I think I'd love to end up going back there again. I've done two or three cruises around the Mediterranean, um, and the, and the Greek Isles. I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But every, you know, it, the, the great thing about it, the world's your oyster, isn't it? There's so many wonderful yep. places to visit. Yeah, it is for sure. And we're going to give you one last opportunity just for you to, to, Give a message to your past oil guests or anybody that's actually considering a Royal Caribbean cruise for the first time. Um, come on board and have a great time. Bring, leave, it's, enjoy yourself. I mean, that's what cruising is all about. It's fun. Uh, there's great facilities on board. The beautiful thing about the ships nowadays, Barry, as you know, is that there's so many diverse activities on board to keep so many people um, occupy, whether you just want to sit on the sun deck and relax, whether you want to try amazing restaurants, whether you want to have lots of activities on board, um, fine dining, uh, lots of activities during the day on board the ship for you to get involved in if you want to, great spas on board for, the, for, for, for our guests to have a massage and a beauty treatment. Um, there's a health club on board as well for those who want to keep fit. Uh, swimming pool. I mean, you've got all of all these different activities on these great ships, and and it's all. It, I guess it's a one-stop holiday for everybody, uh, for whether it's for kids, whether it's for grandparents. Um, the thing that we're finding really, and you probably know as well, Barry, it's the multi-generational families that are travelling together, which is a huge part of our market nowadays. Yeah, no, I, I, I was about to say exactly the same thing. And it's very, very exactly the same in my family. My family are all in the UK. We're down here. And uh, my parents are on at me all the time. When are we going on holiday? When are we going to catch up? When are we going to see the grandkids? So everybody's wanting to make these family memories once again. And it's going to be incredible once we can all, all travel. Yeah, the again. nice thing about it, you know, you can do that on the ships. You can yeah. got fabulous accommodation, whether they be family suites, whether they be interconnecting, whether, you know, whether your, your grandparents want a suite and, and all, all these amazing. 
amazing variations of uh, accommodation on board to suit so many different people. That's the fun thing about cruising nowadays. It's changed dramatically in the last 15 years, and you've been in the industry quite some time. Yeah. You would have seen an amazing change that's now That's on board sure. people, the, the opportunities for people to have on board these ships. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just remind the listeners, if you are looking uh, for, for a cruise, make sure you uh, search for a clear accredited cruise specialist because they really are the, the bee's knees. They know all the, yeah, the, the finer points for, for anything when it comes to, to cruise. But uh, Pete, it's been lovely chatting with you today. I'm really you too, grateful for you joining the podcast and uh, you and your team are more than welcome anytime you've got some exciting news to share. Thanks again. Okay, I look forward to talking to you sometime soon, Barry. Take care. Cheers. Thank you once again to Pete from Royal Caribbean who joined the show. That was recorded a couple of days prior to the announcement of the new deployment for 22-23 here in Australia. And I'm now able to share with you further details on that deployment, starting with Quantum of the Seas being based out of Brisbane. Um, we will have uh, an opportunity to cruise from Honolulu to Brisbane on the 13th of October 2022. That's an 18-night Trans-Pacific voyage. There'll then be 22 round-trip cruises from Brisbane going out to the South Pacific, doing coastal voyages around uh, the, the Queensland and New South Wales area, and also cruises down to New Zealand before a return journey going from Brisbane all the way through to Honolulu for 17 nights, which departs on the 12th of April 2023. Meanwhile, Ovation of the Seas will be based in Sydney. Again, you can cruise from Honolulu to Sydney on a 19-night voyage on the 9th of October 22. Then there will be 18 cruises round-trip from Sydney, including New Zealand, South Pacific, and Australian coastals, before that journey back on Sydney to Honolulu on the 15th of April 23, which is an 18-night voyage. Now, also sailing out of Sydney will be Radiance of the Seas. We know her locally as the foodie ship. Um, She has a 16-night Honolulu to Sydney voyage on the 4th of October 2022. Then there'll be 20 cruises on board Radiance uh, with a lot of tasters, coastals, um, South Pacific and a couple of New Zealand cruises before the Sydney to Honolulu cruise, which departs on the 14th of April 2023. So three ships down here in Australia uh, for the 22-23 season, and they will go on sale with your clear accredited travel agents from the 25th of March 2021. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.